0: Welcome to The Wonderful World of Wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark and Kim. And every week we come to you with current trends and topics in the wine world and give our opinions on some things that are going on and wine items that we see happening every day. And we like to Google some wine topics throughout the course of of our week as we're going about our our daily wine business. So what uh, interesting topics did you Google this week, Mark?
1: Well, I don't know about interesting, I'll, <laughs> tell you interesting what, I'll tell topics. you what I was looking at. The bottles of wine, wine glass bottles. Years ago, I used to get a publication. When you bought a wine, it would tell you who they sourced their glass from. And really? you would be shocked how many people were sourcing glass from China. And it was the, the lowest cost for a wine on like $100 bottles. They were paying like six cents a bottle. So cheap glass. So I wanted to see what's going on in, in the wine glass industry. And Gallo actually has one of the largest bottle manufacturing plants in California. They do 50% recycled glass and they also source most of their materials from California itself. So they are a oh. huge company making their own glass, so not sourcing from China. Uh, but a lot of the small wineries, you'd be shocked, they they do buy glass from China. Well,
0: that's great that they're recycling a lot of uh, glass in California
1: and ma- yeah, making it amounts. into other
0: wine bottles. That's
1: yeah, huge amount.
0: That's encouraging yeah. about sustainability and things like that that. That's another thing to look at. And we always look at glass as something that's heavy to be transported. And then I'm always a little bit like, ooh, you know, all this
1: recycling. Um, yeah, I'm sure your recycling bin's making a lot of noise. My recycling <laughs> bin makes a lot of noise. It
0: really does. Um, I I was doing some research on tariffs and wine tariffs and uh, when governments sort of get into spats with each other and then <laughs> throw more taxes on our things. But the one that I was researching was not necessarily tariffs uh, on French wine and German wine and Italian cheeses and things that is the most current in the uh, in the news. But I was was looking about tariffs that have been imposed by China onto California wine. So there has been this bit of an upheaval uh, for California winemakers who had been developing new markets in China for their wines, sort of higher end or even like mid-range Cabernets, other reds, red blends, and starting to make a name for themselves. But now with the the amount of uh, tariff tax that is assessed on every bottle of California wine, it's like a 100% markup just because of the tariff So a lot of California winemakers are in the situation where they need to decide. You know, are we going to pull out of this market because it just doesn't make any sense, or are we going to ride it out and people will spend the money on maybe not as much or as many bottles, but just sort of sticking it out and then hopefully it will get better and then they'll be in a better position in that market in the future. So so, so I don't know.
1: the Chinese will not pay the extra amount, or they or they don't feel it's worth it to it's, pay. It.
0: It's passed on to the oh, what do you mean How, the consumer? Who,
1: yeah. I
0: think, I mean, I think it depends. If you've got a bottle of wine that sells for $50 here, but a Chinese consumer has to pay $100 for it, that really makes it difficult because it does really mark up that price an awful lot. I mean, if you are thinking of higher end, sort of more specialty bottles, then people are probably going to pay for it because they want that wine. But it seems like it would really impact wineries that are trying to get in with wines that maybe aren't super high end and that are really just trying to make a name for them themselves as as
1: good wines in that who, market who is the winery paying that money the u.s government or the chinese government it's Tariffs. the chinese consumer who would be paying for it so when they ship it over there who, who oh i you see know, who's you getting the right so is that the u.s that's getting that money no they're making china pay us, i think they're making
0: right? china do it that's a
1: good question yeah i never understood how it worked yeah
0: i think it's the chinese government then gets the tariff money but they pass the cost of that onto their supply chain so then everyone along the line has to pay more for it and then that results in the consumer having to pay more money for the, the item
1: either way it's not it's not good news no for the wine world
0: Stumbled across a very interesting article, interesting to me anyway, in Wine Enthusiast about a particular style of wine that honestly I didn't even know existed in the modern world. This was very cool to me.
1: I'm so happy you say that because <laughs> I also knew nothing about is Isn't it? You know, I don't know if it's funny or it's sad that we do so much wine education, then you see these articles in these major publications, and you're like, "What the heck is this?" Well, this I is. I feel ripped off. This is cool
0: to me from a. historical perspective because the style of wine or the type of wine that we're talking about is what was always sort of disregarded as you know not fine wine and it was consumed by the workers it was consumed by the family because they still needed something to drink but they didn't want to drink their good stuff because that was meant for the market so what is this that we're talking about so this style of wine is called piquette um, that is the french name for it and it results from a second pressing of the grapes. So the more that you press a wine grape, the more compounds you get out of it that are not always necessarily the best ones or or the most refined. So if you press wine grapes in a very gentle manner, then you get good, clean juice of a, g- of a good high quality. But as you continue to press it, it's going to get a little bit coarser. It's going to extract certain compounds from the skins and maybe even the seeds that aren't super duper pleasant. And then you get this l- kind of lower quality juice. So traditionally what would happen would be after the first pressing of the grapes, you know, you press your grapes and you're going to make that stuff into wine that you're going to sell in the market because it's the better stuff. You would add a little bit more water to the stuff that you have left over and try to extract more juice out of that. And then once you ferment that stuff, then that is what you, the person who's picking the grapes, gets to drink. It's what you, the family that owns the, either owns the winery or runs the vineyard, that's what you get to drink. But it's not something that was really sold because it was considered sort of just the second the second pass at it.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the history, came, and there was a big history of the French farmhands. This is what they drank because I guess they must have sold the good stuff yeah. and then what was left is what they made use of mm-hmm. so I, I researched if anyone is selling this and first off in massachusetts there was there's no none for sale i
0: didn't see anything from that there was a list at the end of the article because usually what wine enthusiast does is they'll have an article about something and then there'll be a list of these are the wines that you can taste that we're talking about and i didn't see Anything that was familiar on that
1: list. There was a Hudson Valley winery, Wild art and they were originally trying to find a use for their their pumice, their excess. And then they distilled it. And then they said, you know what? We They discovered this wine and they decided they would make it. And they became the first in the U.S. to actually make one. It's so relatively they, local to us. Yeah. And they sell like it online. So Now, looking at this, Kim, we talk about natural wines mm-hmm. all the time. Is this to you a natural wine?
0: I think that this could qualify depending on how the winemaker decides to handle it. But it does sort of have the characteristics of a lot of natural wines that I've been running across, especially the ones with bubbles. So this seems to me like it might end up in the pet nat category. You know, you've got those naturally fermented sparkling wines that aren't filtered, that taste pretty funky sometimes. There are all these other sort of flavors going on that would not necessarily remind you of a nice refined champagne, uh, with the exception of they're both bubbly. But a lot of these wines will retain a slight fizz to them. And apparently they are just a lot simpler as far as their fruit characteristics, not lots of complex aromas and flavors and things that you can write tasting notes about, but uh, more like more single note flavors. So there were some descriptions of this one is very much tasting of like pineapple. And then there was another one that was much more of like just cherry or just apple, those kind of things. But it also doesn't appear to be the most easy thing to make as a commercial product, because it seems to be that it's not quite as stable. And that I think, has to do with the fact that this is a lower alcohol wine and as you lower the alcohol level in a wine then you have less of those protective properties of the alcohol so a lot of other funky things can start to grow in it if you don't have an alcohol level of over like 10 or 11 percent because that that protects them from uh you know weird bacterial growth or anything else funky growing in there that
1: you don't want there I like to call it a recycled wine. You know, kind of doing things with stuff they usually just throw away. I think it's
0: cool. you know use use what you have, and it's like snout to tail. Is that what they call cooking with the whole animal? This is sort of you know.
1: And people who are familiar root to to fruit. I'm going to call it Italian beverages. Grappa is made basically the same way. It takes the pumice and distills it. Right. But I mean, that's what I thought of when I first mm-hmm. heard of this technique. And you had mentioned, Kim, about the slight fizz, the bubbles, and the actual French word for piquette is prickle. Mm-hmm. So it means like a slight yeah, fizz.
0: Yeah, that, uh, that little bit of bubbly that you get on your tongue. I wish there were some available here. I would love to try some. I uh, might need to get on some of my winemaker friends and see what they do with their, with their leftover product and uh, maybe want to do some experiments.
1: Yeah, and when I was talking about that New York Winery Kim, I did find for sale in mass. A very small distributor. This this Four being made, including the Hudson Valley gentleman, and two were sold in mass. It's Old Westminster Winery out of Maryland, huh. and it was being sold by a small distributor in the state, which was shocking to me. And it was like, also, this will interest you, was in a 12-ounce can <laughs> for $6. It's all coming a, together. Yeah, or a 750 milliliter at $17, so reasonably priced. But first off, you don't hear Maryland vineyards too often. You don't hear this product too often and in a and it's like, wow,
0: right. blew my mind. So if you listen to last week's show, we touched on all of these topics. We talked about canned wine. We talked about lower alcohol beverages. And this is uh, just sort of bringing it all together, it seems.
1: You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are, are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. If you'd like to get more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like to get more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. If you'd like to follow us, sh- show, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine or our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes. There was a major article in winespectator.com that's going to follow up on what Kim was Googling this week about how trade war is hurting the U.S. wineries. And Kim had talked about China, but this also affects Mexico. And recently it's been in the news for the EU where there's been as high as a 25% tariff with the EU, Kim. So I know you research a lot for China. What was your research on all these other tariffs?
0: So the European tariffs are the brand new ones and supposed to go into effect in the middle of October. And this is really going to hit French wine, the hardest, and also whiskies and scotches. So that was the other area where, as far as beverage goes, uh, alcoholic beverages go, that scotch and Irish whiskey are the, the other two things that are really going to be hit, as well as Italian cheeses. So this has been a concern for, I know, at least in our local area, for small stores, small businesses that sell fine wine and also fine cheeses and specialty products from Europe that they've sort of been... Waiting and hoping that this wouldn't happen, but is coming down the pipeline and is actually seems like it's going to go into effect. So yeah, like you said, about a twenty-five percent tariff to be placed on these things, which will, as soon as they have to come into the country, uh, will be assessed on them. So these are gonna these are gonna hit hard. What do you think?
1: I, I was talking to a salesman about this when they they mentioned uh, any wine that is under fourteen percent alcohol coming into the country from the EU is will have this. T- tax, but I thought it was funny that, say like you're a, a port producer or high alcohol, you're not going to pay this extra t- tariff, which I thought was interesting mm. and I think purposely when you look at old world wines you know, most of them are are under that already, that's why it's going to incorporate most right. of them, so it, it's pretty sad and I don't know what the impact will be on the shelf, like there was another article about, will the $10 bottle be not a $10 bottle anymore because you're going to have to add whatever percentage, right. and the salespeople seem to think, you know, what they have now, they're going to. To stick to and see what happens in the future, but I can just see rising everything.
0: Yeah, I mean eventually these costs are going to trickle down to the consumers because even if the importers take a little bit of the hit and the distributors take a little bit of the hit and retailers like yourself, restaurant folks like myself take a little bit of a hit, you know, there there is still gonna be a bit of, of a charge for the consumers just to cover that extra 25% or whatever on there. So this is, uh yeah, it's
1: it's going to be felt. There were some crazy numbers. You had talked about China, where they, they say there's something of like a 54% on top of the existing 37%, so like 91%, 91%. Of, of tariffs. Uh, Mexico is going to go from 5 to 25 I mean, that's huge. That's a huge increase. That's going to impact, you know, tequila and beers from those that country as well. Do you think that this was done? You know, I don't want to get political, But was this done, you think, to increase U.S. wines? You think it will help U.S. wines?
0: That has been bounced around, but I don't buy it because when people tend to buy certain wines, I feel... That are European wines, they are buying them because they're a particular style and that they are something unique. It's not just, oh, I'm going to drink a Chardonnay from wherever. It's like, no, if you want to drink Burgundy, you're going to go look for those Burgundies. All right, you might like Sauvignon Blanc and sometimes you want a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, but other times really are looking for Sancerre, which you're only going to get from France. So I, I don't really buy the argument that this is going to increase Say, I mean, it might increase US wine sales because people might be like, hey, I'm not not going to spend that that amount of money on that bottle and I'll just settle for something else. But having that be the reason to do and this is it's not the reason for this. I mean this and this is something that's been in the works for a number of years. This whole Airbus fiasco which is at the heart of this. So it's not like it is really out of the blue, but I still er.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's cr- and what was your understanding? At first I heard Italy got around this, which I didn't understand and then I heard they they didn't get around it. Have so you heard any
0: They are not being penalized on their wine front but they are being penalized on the cheese front so i don't know why the decision was made to stick the tariffs on the cheeses and not the
1: wines so the french are going to pay on both cheese and wine but the italians are only going to pay
0: i hadn't heard about french cheese but so there all was all like certain cheese. things that are that germany has tariffs on that are different from other countries as well um, and then with with um with england and with the united united kingdom you know we've got certain things from scotland and certain things from ireland but not other things so i don't i I don't understand the reasoning behind why certain tariffs on
1: certain types of products. Well, there was a lot of other things, consumer products that were on this that are major impacts. it's, right. it's going to hurt everywhere. What else, came As, as far as tariffs, it, my understanding on French wine in the past was it was like a five cents per seven. Yeah, it was milliliter. fairly small. So that's going to go up. What to twenty-five cents? 25, 30, cents? 30
0: cents? When you,
1: I, I don't know. I mean, is it, it per dollar? It, yeah, yeah. So do you think this means that if I'm if I'm a French chateau? Am I just not even going to bother sending my good stuff now in the United States? Why send it?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to take communication and it's going to take people looking at their sales figures and figuring out why, follow, following certain trends, why have their sales been successful or unsuccessful in certain areas and what caused those successes and working with their importers and working with their distributors here stateside to figure out ways to still have everybody have their businesses work. So I think that there has to be a lot of that give and take and conversation on uh, on both
1: sides of of the ocean. Is this just EU members? That I was my take. Believe so. Right? Yes, it was EU. So I mean, maybe people that are dropping out, you know, <laughs> maybe. or or maybe dropping out.
0: You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find out more information about Mark at franklinliquors.com and more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. So a topic that we have been discussing recently about lower alcohol by volume uh, wine and by extension other alcoholic beverages like seltzers and beers and whatnot, we like to talk a little bit about marketing and why certain products are presented in the market as they are and their is this current trend of these wellness beverages presenting lower alcohol or lower calorie alcoholic beverages as more for people who are trying to stay on top of their health and you know live a healthier lifestyle maybe using them as energy drinks after they exercise and there was this great opinion piece in the new york post about why all that hype about wellness beers and wines are not true
1: yeah. <laughs> bs bs was the, the was the term they use this is one of the things kim that every day you can go on the internet and find something good healthy about wine and then you can find something negative about wine right <laughs> every so day it's something different it's your heart it's your memory
0: every week we see I, it must be like two or three a week and that it seems come like through. it's the same
1: thing but same it's studies. different studies yeah. that are backing the same thing all the time and i would say there's probably more health benefits mentioned online than there are not
0: right it's like one day we'll get a study that that says moderately drinking red wine is good for your heart. And then the next day, there'll be a report that says drinking all alcohol, any alcoholic beverages will cause you to die earlier.
1: Like, it yeah, does, but this, it, there's so this much. This was a new Ugh. level where it, they're saying, hey, athlete, go out, work out, and then have a beer or have this wine because we're saying it's it's good for after you workout. And I fight with athletic trainers and nutritionists in my business group, Kim, about this all the time because they're always pushing no alcohol, no alcohol. And I'll come back and say, well, in moderation, there's a lot of studies that say it is good for you. There's these societies, you know, Sardinia, they live into 103 and all they're having is wine and cheese and meat. <laughs> they're not working out. They're not drinking Slim Fast or anything like that. So I go back and forth. It's my industry, so I'm, I'm passionate about it. But based on fitness, I have a story for you. Years ago when Mick Ultra, remember Mick Ultra, mm-hmm. big popular beer, all these fitness people are drinking as a healthy beer. When it was introduced, they were giving out samples and I approached a booth and they gave it to me and they asked me what I thought of it. I said, it's not my type, it's too light. And the woman looked at me and said, well, it's not made for you. <laughs> you are not our market. Not the market, because w- why? Because I didn't have my running shoes on, I'm not fit. I, I don't. I, I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> well, that made sense, but it was kind of like, I, I don't know why they are marketing it that way, but I always think back when they say things, when they're marketing, they- they're eliminating a certain person. Why can't that light beer just be good because you want something light? You know, why well, it could be,
0: but that's just not their marketing plan. Like, look at all the commercials that are on TV these days where someone goes for a run and then they're done with their run and they grab a lighter beer with their buddies, or they go golfing and then they finish it off with the beer, or yoga and then have a glass of wine when you're done with your yoga. You know, this this is a theme. Um they're not marketing it as a lighter beer just because you feel like you want something lighter. It's like no, they're tying it into this idea of health and exercise. Exercise and I, I do like that they still have the um, the convivial aspect of it too. You know, you're not finishing and then having a beer by yourself at home. You know, you're doing it with your friends, which I think is good because I feel like eating and drinking should be done with others. But you know, this does seem to be a theme. And how long ago was that Mick Ultra oh, tasting it's been
1: years now? For so
0: ten, you know, it's years. not brand brand new. This has been something that's been percolating
1: for a while. So they they mentioned in this article, can 1.6 percent decrease in alcohol alcohol consumption in 2018 which you talked about the millennials are more healthier generation, so they're not consuming as much other things we, we we keep saying all the time moderation you know for women it's what one drink a day men it's two drinks a day yeah i mean that's healthy <laughs> but then there's all these things that they're coming out with they're saying to drink but just hydrate and that's your big thing oh hydration hi- hydration. so is it okay is it healthy if we drink have a drink and then drink water versus not you know we give all these tips all the time and 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 then some 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 beers are now being marketed with uh, electrolytes in them. So say, okay, you can also replenish what you lost, but then have a beer at the same time.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that that's what, what is at the, um, the heart of this article is that those type of statements are where the hype and possibly the gimmicks are, is that they're trying to add all these other things that seem to have health benefits, whether it's those electrolytes or whether it's certain superfoods or there's a fruit extract or touting something as being gluten free and therefore it's healthier for you. When in reality, all vodka is gluten-free. So <laughs> it's these partially labeling issues. And then other times, it's how are we going to package our products? And what can we add to our products that will sort of up the idea that this is a healthful beverage?
1: Yeah, like you mentioned, health marketing, the gluten, the artificial flavors. Mm-hmm. But my key There's thing... There's whole thing here about salt yeah. and uh, salt. Additives. Yeah. The, the thing for me, Kim, is wine is 90% water. So to me, it's it's healthy right it's (laughs) it's all
0: water 90% water and 10% alcohol
1: Our next article is from WSET, a wine education blog, and it had to do with wine bottle sizes. And again, I thought it would be good if we discuss with the listeners what are the sizes out there. And of course, we talked in the past about metric is key in in alcohol. It's kind of one of the unusual things in the in the liquor world is everything is metric. So let's talk about what are some of the sizes of wine bottles.
0: Right. So we talk in liters when we talk about wine, and the basic size of of a wine bottle that you probably will have with dinner or pick up at the shop is 750 milliliters. So three quarters of a liter, that's a standard wine bottle size. You also might frequently get what is called a Magnum. So that is double that bottle. So we generally refer to those as 1.5 liters in the industry. And a, a case of wine usually contains nine liters. So either 12 standard size bottles or six Magnum bottles. Now those are the sizes that you are most most likely to run across in a store. There are also a couple of smaller sizes. So there's a half bottle, which is 375 milliliters. So that's half of a standard bottle. And then those really tiny little cute ones <laughs> that are called splits um, that are 187 milliliters. So that is a glass of wine. So that teeny tiny bottle of wine is perfect for one glass. Um, and sometimes you'll see these as having sparkling wine. I know there's a lot of Prosecco and a, and a bunch of champagne out there that is bottled in 187s. Um, they also come in the little four packs of more commercial commodity wines like our our barefoot's and our Beringer whites and and things like that will come with little bottles as
1: well. Yeah, those are the standard sizes people see and then there's interesting sizes above the magnum, double magnum which is 3 liters and then it gets into what six more sizes that are just huge came in there. They're named after biblical characters. Yeah, they get
0: a little funky. <laughs> and it's fun to remember them. I have to come up with uh, mnemonic devices to remember what size bottle is what uh, old king from the Bible. So there's the
1: 4.5 liter, which is six standard bottles of wine called a Jeroboam.
0: That's a Jeroboam, yep.
1: And then there's the six liter, which people call imperial or or me- Meso... How do you me- say it? Methuselah. Methuselah. And that's how many bottles, Kim?
0: So I don't know. So six liters, that would be nine bottles? Three,
1: Eight bottles, eight. right? Eight bottles. And then you go up to a nine liter bottle, With which, a, go ahead. A you- Salmanazar. So Manazar, which is twelve bottles of wine, that's a real potty wine, right that's there. That's right. And then uh, the Baltazar, which is my favorite, fifteen bottles of wine are in that. Why
0: is that one your favorite?
1: I just like saying. You it. like it to has say balthazar. To do with the jingle all the way movie, I think. <laughs> twelve liters of wine, which is fifteen bottles of wine, and the uh, fifteen liter bottle, which is twenty bottles of wine. And
0: this is my favorite to say.
1: Then say it all. Okay. This is a Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. I don't think I've
0: ever seen a Nebuchadnezzar.
1: That's a very, very large bottle of wine. Above that though, Kim. There is one more. There's a bigger size.
0: Right. So the 18 liter is a Solomon. 24 bottles, a
1: full case of wine in one bottle. Good luck opening them. Better yet, good luck finding these bottles. So Kim, we mentioned biblical characters. I researched this. There was no actual link to biblical characters. We thought this was interesting. Oh, like with
0: wine? Like maybe there's a story that goes along with each of these guys?
1: Yeah, so no one knows why the first one was named after a biblical king. Hmm. But then they figure someone named it a, a Jura bomb, which is actually a large drinking bottle, but it was also a biblical king. So they think, we'll, we'll go with it, and we'll name all the bigger ones after yeah. the biblical king. But it really had nothing to do huh. with biblical kings. See, so you, I did, never you knew a theme, that. and you're just going to run with it. It's like yeah, naming exactly. planets. It's like exactly. somebody
0: decided that a planet was going to be named after a Roman god, and you just run
1: with it. So they figure it's one of the one of the probably biggest jokes in the wine world that they they think that you know the king actually this was his size bottle or something but it was just kind of a play on the first bottle
0: so now you know if you ever see any of those really large format bottles in a restaurant that they all have their own unique names uh and that all of these sizes are are bottled from time to time and they do they do take a little bit of extra work to get the cork out
1: yeah if you take any wine exams it's on all the exams Thank you for listening to The Wonderful World of Wine today. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like to find us online, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine or past episodes on iTunes or SoundCloud. Cheers.